from newstalkzb.co.nz. It's the Mike Hosking Breakfast with ASB. Okay, there. Welcome to Hosking. That was for Wednesday. All the things. Oh, look, you should have heard, but, well, you might have missed from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB. This morning, I thought it was dead, I thought it was gone, I thought I'd never have to hear about it ever again, but unfortunately, the America's Cup is still on, and it looks like we're still in it. Uh, the the Salvation Army report, it sent shockwaves across the country, except it might be all wrong, uh, and uh, we've got the connection between religion, money, geography, all that to sort out. Uh, oh, and a little bit on, on driverless cars as well to end the pod. But to start it, uh, the beard boy thing, uh, storm in a key, teacup. So the point is, if Hornby parents, these Hornby parents, are relying on the court case, they will only be successful if the school has been vague about facial hair. Now, way, way more important than all of that, of course, is the reason all of this became so abhorrent to so many of us. The outright rudeness of some parents in thinking they can simply dictate to schools what is and isn't on under someone else's jurisdiction. Having accepted, as you do as a parent, that a school has a right to set the rules and standards within their grounds and sphere of influence. You can't then go and upend them just because you take issue. What makes this particularly galling is the self-righteous way in which these parents conduct themselves, seemingly with no understanding of just how arrogant they appear. Society itself... Not just schools, but society itself operates on a basic understanding that we actually have to get along and toe the line, and periodically there will be things we wouldn't personally have supported, but for the betterment of us all, we get along with the majority thinking. School is like that. It's a collective. It does an amazingly complex job, given all the dynamics in which it operates, and having stuck-up parents wanting to opt out on specific issues they personally feel require specialised attention that suits their individual way of thinking is no way to operate smoothly. Hornby will be spending time and money on this nonsense, and for every minute they spend on this, it is time and energy not spent educating, and that is your real crime. Yeah, my issue here is that if rules are dumb, surely it's up to somebody to challenge them. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that a boy with bum fluff is Martin Luther King, but you know where I'm going from. You've got to stand up and be counted and move with the times, don't you? Surely. I don't know. Uh, I, I thought we'd moved with the times and moved away from the America's Cup, but it looks like it's all still on for Team New Zealand. Put it this way, then. So you're running Emirates, right? Just playing devil's advocate. No, 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 no. So you're running Emirates, right? And, 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 and you sponsor everything up. Just look at any sporting event anywhere in the world, and Emirates is there, aren't they? They are seriously large players in sports sponsorship. Why would they bother if they didn't think they were getting bang for buck and they didn't think this thing was going somewhere. Yep. They're not dumb, are they? No. So work that through. So there's your message that um, you know they're on the track. But they're and- not funding the whole thing. I'd imagine you know, no, of course the, the not. sponsorship it would be tied to New Zealand being able to, or Team New Zealand being able to get it across the line and get to the line. Yeah, but that's that's how sponsorship works though, isn't it? Because once you go into you sponsor B and now. sponsor C and go, Otherwise, by the way, Emirates are here. washes and sausage that's sizzles, exactly isn't it? Exactly right. So I'm, so I'm stoked. Because all I know is that once all the cynicism drops away when we win this thing eventually... Uh, every, like every, everyone's everyone's going to be on board. It is like the Warriors. It's exactly like the Warriors. When the, win war, when the Warriors year, win, Mike. when the Warriors win, you're all going to be on board. It's a bit different to the Warriors because at least with the Warriors, you know, 
uh, which game they're playing every week, yeah. how long the game's going to be, how many people are going to be on the team, uh, what size the this field's the going to be. Break is an armor league, yeah, not but, a mast. But but Glenn is and, the, and it, not necessarily the richest person who owns the team is going to win. But this either. is what I love about the America's Cup. If you want to go and take it, if you want to win it, you, you have go to do something yeah. extraordinary because the the holders are allowed to tailor the rules to favor themselves. Yes, yeah, funny that were true for the World Rugby Cup, for example. Uh, then we could have insisted that t- only teams whose captains are called Richie enter. Um, and that any points scored by uh, first five eights called Dan are worth double. That sort of thing. That would make it equivalent to the Rugby World Cup, except we'd lose every time because we're the poorest country. Uh, anyway, uh, let's change tack because I'm sick of talking about sailing, as we all know, and, and go back to the Salvation Army report where, where it's hard to get a job in rural areas, except, uh, is it? The really big flaw in pointing out the so-called issues of regional New Zealand and talking about third world conditions and lack of work and training and opportunities is that you can always find something or someone who is having a hard time. And in highlighting the plight of a few, in this case, you ignore the success of many. Regional New Zealand is alive and well and thriving. Last stats I saw had virtually every region in this country growing, some of them spectacularly. The obvious ones are Southland, Taranaki, Hawke's Bay, Nelson, Central Otago, Bay of Plenty, Waikato. In fact, in reality, you can take just about any region you want and see some exceptional growth and vibrancy. Yes, the Sallies go on about Northland and East Cape, and yes, there are real issues in that part of the world. But it's not like we don't have examples of how to address them. And one of those examples is not what the Sallies suggest by getting the government in to do God knows what. There is this appalling tendency by agencies like the Sallies to simply go, the government needs to do something. Like what? What do they want them to do? Magic up some work, magic up some industry, magic up some lifestyle? You can't force people to do things in places they don't want to. You can't force them to set up shops or factories or jobs. There's got to be a reason. Could be tourism, could be grapes, could be dairy, could be a lot of things. And if they aren't set up in certain places, you've got to ask a few tough questions as to why. And Northland and East Coast, uh, to be blunt, have some pretty obvious issues, issues that are sensitive and issues uh, that we're not tough enough on. Regional New Zealand can and does thrive. Those aren't actually any different. Those areas, they're not any different to those that are struggling. And so there's your starting point, and none of that involves uh, government handing out the largesse. My issue with the Salvation Army report is that it's been brought to my attention that they're not actually a proper army. So you've got to ask some questions there, don't you? Uh, we're going to finish up uh, talking about driverless cars, but before we do, uh, we're, going to, we're going to keep with religious organisations, kind of, and reports, and talk about the connection between money, religion, and geography. So we're less religious overall. Is that a Western thing in general? Yes, it is. That's a pattern that's happening right across the Western world, that especially Christianity, there's a decline in the proportion of the population saying that they're Christian. But it's also true, I think, of a lot of faith, that basically the corporate practice of faith is going down. And so in Auckland, we are more religious. Is that a result of migration? Yes, it's primarily a result of migration. It's very striking because in other parts of New Zealand, the story is so different. But in Auckland, which is now... one of the most significant cities for migration in the world, mm. um, there's been a massive increase, really, um, in the patterns of religion in this, uh, in this city. But it's diverse. 
It's much more diverse than it used to be. So, Wellington, they're all soulless bureaucrats. Is that how we explain that? Uh, there's a little bit more to it than that. Mm. But basically, Wellington and the further south you go, with the exception of Christchurch, um, there's very little migration from places other than other Western countries. And so the effect is that in Wellington, it's very spotty, the areas of concentration of migration, and therefore religious practice is, is lower. So are we saying Wellington is the new Sodom and Gomorrah? I've been to Wellington. It doesn't really strike me as the new Sodom and Gomorrah, but... I guess statistics don't lie. Actually, that's the only thing the statistics... Uh, we're going to finish up here with the uh, with more statistics. This time on the, the amount of crashes, the Google cars. Glenn had. and I having an altercation this morning over the. Uh, I burst out laughing yesterday. It's driving my car. I love driving my car. I love driving, which is the other thing that Glenn and I are at complete opposites. Glenn's just announced to me he cannot wait for driverless cars because he hates driving. He's a useless driver. I've seen him drive. He is a useless driver. And the sooner he can get in a car that someone else is driving, uh, like a driverless car, he's going to be happy as. I couldn't do it personally because I would be forever freaking out that the machine was going to do something wrong. And, and this, is, this is why I burst out laughing in the story yesterday. These Google driverless cars, they're wandering around California testing at the moment. They're crashing into each other. 11 collisions in six years, smacking into each other. And I, I just thought, yep, that was always going to happen. But then, not of course... crashing into each other, though, are they? Mike? No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're crashing into other cars. And what Google are and, trying and to... And are they crashing into them, or are the other cars well, crashing into the driverless cars? What Google are trying to spin this morning is, is, is that they're blaming everyone else but themselves. They're saying their driverless car is, is foolproof, bulletproof, never crashed into a thing in its life, never made a mistake, and everyone else is just seeing a driverless car and going, oh, my God. Is that a driverless car? I'm going to drive right into it. See, I've taken down what you just said and entered it into evidence because... (laughs) So you cracked up laughing as you were driving around. Yes, I did. And with a little swerve there, was it, as you you were laughing? See, robots don't find things like that funny. No, they don't. And so therefore they just keep driving. No, that's true. Uh, Anyway, bring on the the driverless car, right? In fact, when you think about it, robots are far less likely to um, spill hot mince pies on their laps. While driving, um, and probably don't really care about car crashes on the other side of the motorway that they shouldn't be looking at either. These are all good points I wish I'd made during the show. That was Hosking, that was. I am Glenn ZB. I'm going to think of some more and try and use them tomorrow.